The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only, so if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. today's episode of the patient's perspective i am discussing the roe versus wade overturn in the u.s supreme court hello everyone so today the u.s supreme court overturned roe v wade So now each state has the abilities, and some of them have already implemented it, to either make abortion in those states harder or um, to not really allow them after, you know, at all. I, again, wanted the patient's perspective to look at all different sides of the story. And so I'd still plan to do that. I think it will be harder to find um, persons who are um, okay or, or even happy with the overturn at this point in time in my own personal circle. So I may have to reach out and try to find um, people online that are willing to talk about their feelings, because again, I want to express their side as well. But the patient's perspective is again, all about positions of patients and different kind of patients. When I started this podcast, I didn't want to get into this subject very early on for a multitude of reasons. Um, Number one, just starting out, it's probably not a good idea to start off um, with something this heavy. And the second reason is because due to my hormone allergy, as well as some life experiences, this is incredibly, incredibly personal for myself as, you know, um, as well as 
people in my circle. Um, when I was a teenager, especially when I was having symptoms, I got in with the bad crowd. And at 16 years old, off my very first time of having intercourse, I became pregnant. I would go to find, go on to find out years later that that was not a one-off. Um, it turns out that I basically get pregnant if you breathe on me. Where lots of people will say that's a blessing until you realize that I also have been found to have a hormone allergy. So for me, it was an absolute nightmare. And it was one of the reasons why I decided um, and really pressed my physicians that I wanted to move forward with ovary removal. I myself have been pregnant, um, confirmed pregnant four times. So the first time is when I was 16. Um, I gave up my daughter for open adoption. It was after her birth that I began taking birth control and my vagina swelled for the very first time. And that would, um, that was probably one of the first signs that I was anaphylactic. Uh, people don't actually, doctors don't tell you it's not spoken about, but that's counted as a mucous membrane. And because it was so soon, like, you know, six weeks or so after her birth, I just assumed it was because of the pregnancy and then the after delivery. And I remember crying to my mom and saying, you know, having the baby has done something to my vagina. But really, it was the birth control pill that I took because you have to start taking it when your period starts, when you first begin the medication. Even though I can, we can date symptoms earlier than that, um, that was really a defining moment, but I didn't realize until 10, 12 years later when I started reading about hormone allergy. The second baby was with someone who I loved and I'm still in contact now 20 years later. That baby um, died. in a, what's called a missed abortion, which means, doesn't mean I actually aborted, it means that I had a miscarriage, it's just the proper terminology is a missed abortion. So that baby, um, and because I wanted, you no, know, I was, we were in a relationship, we were talking about marriage, we were looking into houses and blah, 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 that, um, you know, for me, I still call that baby a baby, even though it passed away before, well, no, it was, well, yeah, 
yeah, sorry, I didn't find out until um, I was 13 weeks, but it had passed away at around week nine. That's they can date it back to when the the fetus baby has passed. Because the baby didn't come out, I had to have a DNC, which is exactly what is used for abortion. But this, in this case, they, you know, the DNC is to um, extract the tissue because it can actually become necrotic if it's left inside. It was then that I realized that whatever disease I had been battling um, had killed that baby and, and that miscarriages or multiple miscarriages, <clears throat> sorry, are commonly found in progesterone and hormone allergy. So is this so far, listening to my story, you would think that I'm against abortion. but I'm not. I had girlfriends who had abortions and I would take them to the clinic, help them get, um, you know, pregnancy tests. There was a clinic downtown that we would take by sea train, which is like the above ground trains, but it's, it goes underground in my city, half up, half down. One of the reasons why I chose open adoption for my child was because I had a really great father who asked me, or not asked me, he said, you know, um, I think you should check out all your choices. So I talked to somebody who had an abortion. I went to the adoption agency and then I had friends that already had kids. So I already knew what that was like. Part of me chose open adoption because my mom, uh, if you've listened to the prologue, has uh, lupus and primary biliary cirrhosis. And in 1981, doctors decided to let her know that they thought that I should be aborted due to medical reasons. This is where you, this is a time where you had to have multiple doctors sign off on it, which sounds like what was passed today is even stricter than that in some states, which would mean that my mom would have, have even have had a choice. Because I didn't get along with my family, though, um, particularly my mom at the time, the school brought in a social worker and I um, ended up in a pregnancy home for, you know, young moms. The one I chose was actually run by nuns. There were ones that I looked at that were run by families. And the ones that were run by families actually were stricter 
than the ones run by the nuns, if you could believe it. So for myself, it was it was not like the maternity homes that you went to in like back in the older days. Like it, it wasn't like a mass huge sized one, like the size of a school. Uh, it was just a regular home. I got to uh, witness because a lot of the girls don't show up until they're halfway through their pregnancy, but because my family situation was so bad at the time in terms of getting along, I moved in almost right away. So I, I was in that home probably by about three or four months of pregnancy, probably about four months. And to end up staying there even after my birth daughter's birth and I was deciding in between something called independent living uh, or was I going to go back home? So I stayed there a long time. Um, you know, it was, I think it was almost close to a year. And I got to watch a lot of young moms. When I was there, only two of us chose um, adoption, open adoption, and the rest all kept. And I got real-time schooling on what it was like to be a young mother. There was a couple of times, particularly with one young mom, where we caught her taking her baby into a bar. Um, she was drinking when um, breastfeeding and, at the, or, and, and smoking marijuana. And that was the, the lady, the girl and I, the, uh, there was three of us. And me and the other girl, we were both adopting out. So you know, the, the girl that had her baby, she was the only one that actually had, had chosen to keep hers. And me and the other girl was still pregnant. And often she wouldn't get up in the middle of the night to feed her. So me or the other girl who were pregnant, plus I was going to high school, had to get up. Because the baby would not, obviously, would not be quiet. It's, it needs to eat. And we would have to go and sometimes feed her or wake the mom up and be like, you got to get up. I don't know what happened to her. I know she eventually moved out early because she didn't like being told um, that was after the bar incident. Um, she wasn't coming home from curfew. Like we're talking a newborn was being dragged outside in winter at 12, one o'clock in the morning. And curfew would be like at 10 and she wouldn't be home with the baby. 
So when we start talking about this issue, I'm not just going to talk about and just fluff over what I saw. I'm going to actually tell you what I saw. These are the uncomfortable conversations that have to be had. On top of everything, on several occasions, when I was taking birth control and I didn't know that I was allergic to my own hormones, I was sexually assaulted. I am petite and I um, you know, it makes me a target. One guy dropped my girlfriend off at home first, and then he convinced me to go back to his place, and I was trying to sleep. And that's when I woke up to him raping me. I tried to fight him off, and he kept putting a pillow and sheets over my face so I couldn't breathe. My sister took me to the hospital because I broke down and cried about it the next day. And that's when you find out what the rape rates are for women. And I will never forget it. The most disturbing part of that whole experience of getting checked by the doctors was not having several doctors come in and look at you. It wasn't them taking samples. It was that I had to wait in line because there was two to three girls ahead of me. One girl was so severe, there was police and everything. And I remember my sister looking at me and she says, can you believe there's another girl? somewhere in this hospital that's going through the same thing. No, but they were, you know, they were taking pictures and shit. What, what does that tell you that happened to that girl? You know, and even though I'm allergic to hormones, and I wish there was more disclosure on the fact that it is not all roses and sunshine with hormonal forms of birth control. 
I have to be thankful for the fact that I was on it at those points and times before I met the guy. It was several months after I met the guy that I ended up, um, um, you know, our, our, our baby passed away. And we were looking for a house and all that sort of stuff. So there's multi sides to this. This is why so many people are a little bit in the middle. Um, there's extremists on both ends. You know, this is my second time recording because the first time I couldn't even get through it without um, being a wreck. When it comes to reproductive rights, or let's not even say that because you know what? I didn't agree with um, vaccine mandates either. So I can't say that, that it's just reproductive rights. Um, healthcare in general needs to be far more individualized than it is. But we also need to tell the truth about both sides, even if we don't like it. You know, the morning after pill, which is full of loaded and progesterone, um, that caused symptoms in me. I've taken it three times in my lifetime um, in my early 20s. When I finally realized that I maybe shouldn't be taking birth control. And then I, I would, because here's the problem. And this is, I want to talk to the guides out there about this. What would you do in a situation like me with somebody that can't take birth control? You'll say, well, then just use a condom. You know, for persons who are not against um, they're, they're against abortion, but they're not against certain forms of birth control. Here's the problem with this. In a situation like mine, where we now know I can't take hormonal forms of birth control, You know, barrier options for men, as men describe, reduce their sexual experience. Imagine if you were married to somebody, but you don't want to have kids yet due to maybe she's, she's got a medical issue or whatnot. 
but she also can't take any forms of birth control. And it's up to you now to have a condom on every single time because you have such strong beliefs against abortion. And you're not getting the sexual gratification that you want. It's your wife. You're supposed to be able to have intercourse with her without that kind of physical barrier. What do you think that does to a relationship? I don't think that um, some people have even thought about that. That closeness that you get with your partner when it's skin on skin. And there's always for if you had to go 20, 30, 40, 50 years wrapping it every single time not getting the sexual gratification the level that you would get if you um didn't have to use a condom that's what some of you just signed up for and some men are not going to be satisfied enough. And I can tell you from personal experience that that leads to cheating. Because it starts to cause stress in the relationship. So is it now worth it? Now there's divorces happening? There's so much to talk about with, and that's why it, it's not a black or white issue. It really isn't. And I know each, both sides are saying that it is. It's not. You know, my, women with my condition, we talked about it in the online groups. You know, we, from the liberal perspective, like the extreme, you know, liberal perspective, we felt that our disease was hidden. It's been known about since the 1920s before the first birth control was ever created, even thought about. During the original trials, women were complaining of symptoms and somebody even died and they were told that they were crazy or that, you know, they could just couldn't handle things or that they were hypochondriacs. And then back then, the hormone levels were higher than they are in the birth control now. 
So women with my health condition feel that we were sacrificed for the pro-choice movement. Not necessarily the pro-choice, I would say for the, the for reproductive uh, health for women. We were sacrificed. Our, our condition, even though it was known about, was kicked off into the back, no money going towards it, yada, yada, yada. Because who the fuck wants to have a conversation that the pill that they made is not as uh, safe as they claimed? Nobody. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, hardly anybody. I know of somebody who told me the other day that they, you know, had an abortion and they, they, they're still glad that they had it, but they kind of wish that it had been a little bit harder to get it. Meaning that like, in terms of, you know, basically they said they just made an appointment, walked in and had it where, you know, this person said they felt pressure from the guy and the guy's mother. And she told me that she wished that there actually was a little bit more resistance, even though she feels like in the end that she made the right choice. So there are ways to be more in the middle on this. You know, abortion clinics maybe should have um, somebody, you know, talk to somebody who's had an abortion, talk to somebody who... Uh, has adopted out and talked to somebody who has kept. So there's problems from both sides. But if I have to pick only one side then I will always pick for abortion to be illegal there I mean there's 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 been decades of evidence that you know, the crime rate is attached to abortion rates. So if you create stricter abortion laws or outlaw it, then the crime rate in 10 to 15 years is going to dramatically increase because, you know, when abortion was legal, the babies who would grow up to be teens or young adults who would be committing the crimes just aren't born. There's health implications with this. And I'm not even talking about the like the coat hanger situation. Um, I, I haven't, I'll be perfectly honest, I haven't done a lot of research on the actual true abortion pill. Um, you know, I've been reading up on it a little bit today and it 
it prevents progesterone from um, uh, producing. Actually, now that I think about it, I wonder if that could be used for progesterone allergy. Anyways, uh, instead of a uh, GnRH analog. Um, You know, the last time I had to worry about this stuff, the only thing like plan B or, you know, the morning after pill had just become illegal over the counter in my country. So I completely missed like the actual true abortion pill becoming available. I can tell you that the plan B is made of very high amounts of progesterone and we now know my condition's not as rare as we thought. So even just people taking plan B and being by themselves, you know, worried that they're, you know, that they're going to be charged is dangerous. Not obviously for most people, but for some. You know, the, again, for kind of make disclosures for the liberal side, I mean, there's more and more evidence pointing to the fact that hormones, sex hormones, etc., in food or in pills could be what is causing an increased rate of immunological disease. Seizures also, um, you know, obviously blood clots. Uh, we've all been warned about that one for a long time. But now the problem is that if somebody is starting to have symptoms after taking and they're in one of these states, they can't receive medical attention or if they do they're if they don't die they're going to be charged you know i wish i had a direct answer you know but i don't um again i think the the situation is more complex than, I mean, due to being, growing up in a family full of social, um, you know, social industries, you know, I saw the amount of disabled kids and adults that weren't wanted. You know, I always think about this one person that I worked with who was disabled, whose mother, who had guardianship legal, gave the disabled adult the right to be their own guardian and then just left them and took off to another city with their new spouse, basically abandoning them. 
financially, this person really struggled because they really couldn't handle their finances. Literally getting signing up for brand new phones if you know they broke their phone because they were angry or having an outburst and would just go get another um contract like every three to six months you know two-year contract probably had three four phones so yeah um this person went into financial debt multiple times because they don't have the mental capacity and they have just severe impulse. And we tried to get them to sign the rights over to a public guardian on multiple occasions. And I mean, once you have guardianship of yourself, you don't want to lose it, right? So the client never would sign. My dad um, ran a group home and he never forgets this one story of where this one mom would send a cab at Christmas time to drop off her son's gift to him. When you see the brokenness of these people who are not wanted. Society doesn't really want them, right? In terms of most people, I should say, not all, but most people would not take on a severely disabled person or child. You have to ask yourself if that's worth it just to save them as babies. Sometimes, and I've learned this with my disorder, for myself, I truly believe that sometimes death is the better option, which is why I'm also an advocate for euthanasia, even with just severe mental illness. I always tell people, you'll know if one day I know that I've lost touch with reality to the point that I'll never get out because if that ever happens, I'll be dead. Or I'll fight. I'll try to fight for myself legally first, but, um, and, and I've kept that decision now for, you know, 20 plus years. I'm not going to change it. What I think that the courts also haven't taken into consideration and what many people haven't taken into consideration who are completely against abortion. And this is why you need to work in the social service industry. The rates of a female disabled person being raped or sexually assaulted at some point in time in their life is 
almost 100%. What are we going to do with their babies? They can't look after them. You could give them so many supports. And many will never be able to be parents. I know it's really hard to understand that. If you've never worked in the industry, the rape rates is incredibly high. And it is because they are easily exploitable. So we're not even talking about somebody who's even able to give official consent. And then like some people have brought up the fact that on top of it, um, these fathers or these men, shouldn't call them fathers, but men who do this will now on top of it, get parental rights to the child. And that person then will be stuck conversing with the rapist? And how is that kid going to grow up knowing that they're hated? And again, this isn't going to be all cases. You know, Women are going to be looking at their kids and seeing their rapists. The amount of post-traumatic stress disorder this is going to cause, the amount of mental health issues. And again, we're talking about a schizophrenic woman or girl being forced to have her baby. Whether she keeps it or not, she's going to be traumatized even further. So this is where you can end up with having a dramatic increase of um, hospitalizations for mental health problems. You will have family violence. an increase in family violence, societal violence. Again, there's so many problems with what happened today that I, I don't even know where to start. I try to respect other person's religions, particularly because I live with nuns and I respect them to this day. 
But to me, this is just common sense. I don't get it. You know, I can understand trying to um, tweak some of these things. Because again, like I said, the liberal side is not completely innocent either. You know, I don't I don't know what to say. We need individualized healthcare. And again, that includes even like what we went through with the pandemic and you know, if I respected persons who didn't want to get a vaccine. That's their, you know, only many of the times only the patient is the, know, is the one that knows how healthy they are because they f are the only ones that know how they feel. Anyways, I'm going to finish this one. This is better than the first one. The first one, I was quite upset. You know, and again, I'm trying to stay as neutral as possible, giving both, you know, let, let, showing my, my grievances to both sides. You know. But like I said, if I can only pick one answer, then I am definitely pro-choice. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective. <laughs>